What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the podcast that houses a safe and open listening platform for all the casual, cold, and dumb takes on the world of pro wrestling and the NFL. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 99 of this freezing cold podcast that houses the icy and spicy lasagna in that very cold fridge. And man, we are closing in on that 100th episode of the Very Cold Lasagna podcast. And well, I'm still kind of debating on what to do, what exactly to do, how to commemorate um, 100 episodes. And yeah, I'm still thinking about it. You know, what to do for this 100 episode shit-tacular. <laughs> Should I just do a retro review? Should I just do, um, you know, a catch-up on wrestling? Should I just do some other random thing? You know, I left a Twitter poll on the Very Cold Lasagna Twitter page. So if you follow me on Twitter, go and vote. Go and vote. You might have an influence on what I'll do for the 100 episode shit-tacular. So... Go and vote, or maybe leave some other suggestions. Maybe I'll take them in consideration, but if not, I'll still decide on something to commemorate 100 episodes in, of course, one year. We haven't even celebrated one year of doing this show. But, yeah, it, it's crazy, you know, 100 episodes in one year of doing this thing. Uh, I can't even describe it. I really can't even describe it, but all I can say is thank you. That's all I could say. But anyway, if you want more icy and spicy goodness here on Very Cold Lasagna, make sure to follow and subscribe to Very Cold Lasagna and listen to the show wherever you can, whether it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, or Google Podcasts, wherever you want to listen to the icy and spicy goodness. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and turn on that notification bell. Give the video a thumbs up and listen to the show and leave a nice review on the audio platforms and follow the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. So it's been a hot minute. It has really been a hot minute since we talked about some pro wrestling here. <laughs> yes, it has been seven months. It has been seven months since we talked about anything when it comes to either WWE, All Elite Wrestling, honestly, anything in the world of pro wrestling here on Very Cold Lasagna. Um, I think it's been about seven months. Yeah, seven months since I last checked in with um, anything pro wrestling. That's just because, you know, pro wrestling today is just uh, it's just so bad. It's just so bad. Um, I, I, I don't really need to repeat myself with how circusy it is or how there's not so much not so much storytelling or characters or any of that it's just become too too generic too bland for my taste but again everyone has their own personal preference but for me i'm more into the you know the perspective the long-term investment like what's going to keep me engaged at this point i'm a filthy casual viewer of pro wrestling and such was the case with WrestleMania. Yes, this is usually the time where I would get all jumpy and excited for WrestleMania. It's WWE's Super Bowl. The Super Bowl of the NFL had already come and gone. We were in the offseason. And then came the time for WWE's Super Bowl, WrestleMania. They have done 37 of these. <laughs> 37 of these things. And... Now they're doing, what, their 38th? They're about to hit their 40th in about two years? Like, holy hell. 38 WrestleManias, and holy shit. It is pretty insane. Now, for the last two years, the last two WrestleManias, it's been pretty... Uh, it's been pretty meh. And, you know, I guess a little bit understandably, because, you know, they were... Um, pretty impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, especially in 2020 um, when they were in the Performance Center. And then you go to 2021, you're back doing WrestleMania in a stadium, but, you know, reduced fans. And then you have that rain delay <laughs> um, that that prevents the show from starting. And then you go back, you, go, you start this two-night thing, um, which I will talk about in a little bit, um, later, probably later on during this episode. But anyway... It's a little understandable, I guess, as to why, you know, these past two WrestleManias in particular were pretty shitty. And prior, to, much prior to that, everything since WrestleMania 31, in terms of, you know, the manias, were pretty bad. 
they 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 weren't there weren't that many good matches not many good stories um the shows were pretty they're they were pretty damn long <laughs> i still remember wrestlemania 35 um their last um singular day wrestlemania being nearly eight hours yes eight hours long like there should not be there there should not be that many matches there should not be that many uh things going on in a singular wrestlemania there should only be one wrestlemania one day of wrestlemania four four to five hours max with the best of the best not everyone needs to be on wrestlemania that being said here we are in 2022 it's wrestlemania 38 and they're still doing this night two crap like i don't understand it i really didn't it and when you look at the card when you looked going into the card for wrestlemania 38 especially when you haven't watched wrestling in such a long time whether it's be for half of the year a full year or a whole decade or i don't know since the attitude era ended wrestling yeah it's it's yes it's in a pretty bad state but when you look at this card for wrestlemania it looked pretty pretty damn bad and when you look at the build-up towards this wrestlemania it was not great it was actually even worse than uh, WrestleMania 31, and it even tops the list. Uh, uh, even tops WrestleMania 32 as the worst buildup. Now you can say, what about WrestleMania 9? <laughs> WrestleMania 9. Um, well, I'm too young to remember WrestleMania 9. Uh, maybe I'll go revisit that in an old Icebox review um, one day. But anyway, WrestleMania 30, the the build to WrestleMania 38, if I remember correctly. There was barely any build aside from a couple matches. Yeah, the title for title unification match between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. They are finally going to unify the WWE and Universal Championship match. Uh, more on that when we get into this review. Then you also had the match I was most particularly interested in. Pat McAfee, yes, a former NFL punter going up against uh, Austin Theory. I was more more interested in how pat mcafee would do in his like first official like main roster wwe match and how he would do there um then you had i guess uh, i guess seth rollins against a mystery opponent but we all knew who, who was going to be at that point and then i guess that was pretty much it that was pretty much it so going into this wrestlemania there wasn't really many things to be excited about there weren't really any great matches and even with the matches on the card for both nights most of them really consisted of matches that could have easily been um showcased on raw or smackdown on any given week so let's get into it let's get into this wrestlemania shall we the most stupendous wrestlemania in all of sports entertainment that's <laughs> the tagline the most stupendous pal yes that is literally what they called it the most stupendous wrestlemania in the history of whatever so you get the first night you're in in arlington texas the home of the dallas cowboys how about them cowboys yes the the dallas bears of the of the south you start night one and your festivities kick off um, with a terrible rendition of the Star Single Banner, followed by an introduction by Mark Wahlberg, who's promoting uh, another, mov another movie. And then you have, of course, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Oh, man, Stephen A. Smith must have been losing his shit over that. <laughs> and then you get to the real action, um, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match between the Usos and Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Um, nothing memorable here in this match, except for one thing. Um, Rick Boogs, I guess Shinsuke Nakamura's guitarist, um, he tried to do like a double Simone drop on the Usos, but unfortunately his leg gave out and he suffered a torn quadriceps um, as a result of that spot. So, tough luck. That's, that's, that's tough for him. And... The Usos won this match, retained the SmackDown Tag Team titles with the 1D. They're, I guess that's what they call the 3D for them. But overall, pretty forgettable match to start WrestleMania. So not a very good start for, or for Mania when you have a Tag Team title match that, honestly, no one will even remember. And even worse, you have an injury occur during the match, a 
an injury that could potentially keep Rick Boogs out of action for probably the remainder of the year in a spot that wasn't necessary. So then you go on to the second match, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Baron Corbin. And I got to say this about Baron Corbin. I don't understand why they decided to rush the, the happy, uh, not, the, not the happy Corbin stuff, the bum-ass Baron Corbin stuff. Because if you remember, like if you ever watched my um, my arena reactions when I went to SmackDown um, in San Jose, I was I was literally like shitting all over um, this Happy Corbin gimmick um, for a lot of reasons, and I still am I still am because you know Baron Corbin could have like taken this um, bum ass gimmick um, and taken it all the way to the Royal Rumble. It didn't need to end him in vegas or what they could have done it was like oh he hit the jackpot in vegas um he, he gets all lucky he, he can do the happy corbin gimmick but then he gets broke in about a month or two then he goes back to being bum ass baron corbin he gets down on his luck again he loses everything and then when the royal rumble comes around he wins the royal rumble <laughs> and then he gets i don't know a like maybe a wwe title match uh against I don't know, and I don't know if it would have been Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns, but even if he lost, it's a good story. It was a good story. Like, but either way, they rushed this Happy Corbin shit. They could have played this out. They could they could have wrote written some crazy crazy things um, if they let this bum Baron Corbin thing continue. But nope, here we are. Um, we still have this Happy Corbin gimmick that's pretty much run its course alongside. Whoever Mad Cat Moss is, is his like funny friend. Oh, by the way, when I went to that SmackDown show in October, no, it was pretty cringe. So, another forgettable match, but it was kind of cool seeing Drew McIntyre fly over the top rope, even though um, Baron Corbin and Mad Cat Moss barely caught him. And then B McIntyre became the first official person to kick out of end of day. So, I guess that's an accomplishment. Um, they, I guess there's a way to protect. Uh, Corbin's finisher and Drew McIntyre got the win hitting the future shock DDT out of nowhere and then the happiness out of Baron Corbin got sapped out with a claymore and then afterwards Drew McIntyre tried to attempt murder on Madcap Moss with this sword Angela and he cut the ring ropes in half instead so I mean it was whatever it was it was a whatever match um but I just hope that WWE at least builds up McIntyre, like slow burns him, like has him go through the mid card, maybe gives him a, a United States or Intercontinental Championship uh, along the way. You know, build him back up to a main event player because, you know, when you look at McIntyre, I mean, sure, doesn't have the great mic skills, doesn't have like as much of a character, but if you, you know, if you build him back up, you know, give him some like creative leeway, he can be a one of the main guys in WWE. I mean, he had that opportunity in 2020, 2021, but of course the pandemic happened. But if you give him a real opportunity, I think McIntyre can be one of the main guys. I mean, not like Roman Reigns or John Cena level, but he can be at least one of the main supporting guys that can help at least assist Roman Reigns in carrying this company towards the future. So as for this match is whatever. Then we get to the one more interesting matches of the night. Um, the Mysterious, Ray and Dominic, took on The Miz and, yes, Logan Paul. Yes, YouTube sensation, the most controversial man, Logo, Logan Paul. And I got to say, Logan Paul was pretty damn <laughs> He was pretty damn good um, in generating heel heat. And he was actually uh, pretty damn good um, in the ring as well. He had some, uh, he had some nice moves. He managed to hit things like a a second rope blockbuster on I think it was Ray or Dominic, and this was so good. This was this I like Logan Paul for doing this. He he mocked um, the legacy of Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero by hitting the three amigos, and he did the uh, the the signature Viva la Raza chant the 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 taunt of Eddie, <laughs> and then he hit a frog splash on uh on afterwards on ray it was so good that was so douchebaggery of logan paul and the miz um wanted won his team the match um 
and afterwards he turned on logan paul hitting a skull crushing finale um and the fans were ecstatic for it they were literally cheering for the miss the jizz for turning on logan paul so overall this was a, a pretty pretty good match um in terms of making logan paul one of the most hated people in wwe in that night um and i gotta say logan paul was pretty um better than whatever his boxing matches produced um rain and for this match you know rain and dominic were uh, not rain dominic rain and the miz were you know pretty much leading leading things off with the match they were they were controlling the pace in this one but i gotta say um dominic and logan ball they 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 contributed pretty equally as well so overall um i gotta say i hope that logan paul and the miz <laughs> pick things up around SummerSlam, and that maybe that's what wwe is is gonna do um maybe because you know you don't just leave things hanging um unless you're they're, they're that stupid um i can see wwe picking this feud back up if logan paul's available um if he's not doing anything boxing or anything stupid on youtube but i can see wwe picking things back up um, between the Miz and Logan Paul, like Logan Paul, probably not gonna forget that the Miz turned on him, and they can probably have a one-on-one -on -one match in Tennessee Titans Town at SummerSlam in July. So then you get the Raw Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. They had their big entrances. Becky coming out to a movie trailer and some like Hollywood entrance. Bianca Belair getting the Texas Tech um, HCBU um, marching band playing her theme song so i guess that's kind of cool um and this is pretty much like kind of a match that i don't know they're <laughs> just trying to get over with um you know becky hit the rock bottom pretty early and you know tried to end it but bianca kicked out and for pretty much the, the majority of the match they were just trying to get the match over with with some quick offense fruit roll-ups um and hitting their best maneuvers and the critical critical point of the match came towards the end where Becky hit a rock bottom or the manhandle slam or whatever on Bianca on the steel steps. But Bianca somehow managed to 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 get in the ring by right before the 10 count, like in some sort of adrenaline rush. And Bianca reversed a rock bottom, flipping out of it somehow into the and grabbing lynch for the kod to win the raw wins championship and get her redemption from SummerSlam in that 20 second whatever it was it eight six second victory so yeah bianca gets her uh, redemption unfortunately she also suffered a black eye um because becky lynch botched a vertical senton um a front flip senton <laughs> because she kicked bianca in the face on the way down so like of course she had the bot things so uh i don't know why this match was being so um so rated highly by people online because i don't know i wasn't seeing the same match i, I probably wasn't seeing the same matches as many other people because this is a pretty uneventful match so i'm not sure why people thought of uh found this so so great so highly um there wasn't really much of a story behind it besides you know oh bianca cut the hair of becky when you know maybe it should have been becky who cut the hair of bianca you know she had an opportunity a couple weeks ago and honestly they only picked up this feud like literally just two months uh not two months yeah two yeah it was two months before wrestlemania when they had literally like what was it seven or eight months to do to do some some kind of progress and they weren't doing anything they were just ignoring each other so bianca is your new wild women's champion um i just hope that this time around um she better have the tools to uh, actually be a ratings draw champion but i doubt it um because whipping your tail back and forth whipping your tail back and forth is not gonna do it, it ain't gonna do it but at least you know think it, it could be worse we can still have the stale and repetitive LP water as champion in Becky Lynch as champion. So that's something. So then we had one, the two big matches of the night. And that was Seth Rollins against Mr. McMahon's handpicked opponent, Seth Rollins all throughout WrestleMania season was just desperate, desperate, desperate for his WrestleMania moment, because that's pretty much the theme of these two night WrestleManias. Now everyone has to have a WrestleMania moment. And Seth Rollins was no different. 
So, for Seth Rollins, um, he desperately wanted a WrestleMania moment because, well, um, his buddy, Kevin Owens, was going to have his WrestleMania moment um, with a certain someone. So, we'll get to that in a bit. So, Mr. McMahon, six days before WrestleMania, gave Seth Rollins his wish. A match at WrestleMania, but it was going to be against an opponent of his choosing, Mr. McMahon's. So, Seth Rollins came out. Um, I, I think he came out with a choir and some weird, weird um, uh, robe. I don't know what is it with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch's like wardrobe these days. But anyway, um, as expected, Seth Rollins' mystery opponent. Once the pyro went um, went off, and once the the lights went out, and a certain theme song played, it was Cody Rhodes. Yeah, it was really Cody Rhodes. And he came out with everything that he had, except for Brandy Rhodes, from, AD, from AEW. He brought the theme song, um, which, even though I don't like Cody Rhodes, pretty cool, pretty cool theme song. He brought the American Nightmare. He brought pretty much everything from AEW, again, except for Brandy. So, they competed in a pretty much like a typical um, indie fest match um, with all these with the, all these crazy um crazy spots and false finishes um and i guess this was like kind of like cody rhodes like um story of trying to prove that he can at least hang with the best in wwe and trying to prove that he can be a top player um and i mean i guess it worked to some degree but there were a few botches that I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it slide. I wouldn't let it slide. Like, you know, Cody Rhodes tried to go for a moonsault or reverse crossbody, whatever the heck he was doing on Seth Rollins. But, um, yeah, Seth Rollins almost didn't catch him. <laughs> and Seth Rollins, like, didn't almost, didn't, also didn't, almost didn't catch Cody into a powerbomb on the outside. So, he had to improvise and powerbomb him into the, catch him, um, like, catch him safely and then pop him back up and then powerbomb him next to Corey Graves. So Cody Rhodes hit a Cody cutter for a near two fall, uh, two count Rollins hit a pedigree for another near two fall. And then afterwards, Cody Rhodes got an adrenaline rush, hit three straight crossroads. Go also in between hitting uh, a bionic elbow as a tribute to his dad, Dusty to win a competitive match in his first match in WWE since 2016 so for a return match i gotta say you know it's it was kind of smarky um but it was pretty good um for for cody rhodes um again wasn't anything great but it was pretty good for what it was you know both men uh putting on a wrestling showcase um pretty balanced told a little bit of a story with cody returning to the place um that he left and tried to prove that he not only still belonged but wanted to prove um the man vince McMahon, wrong that he that he could be a top guy. So it's kind of pretty much like that, um, you know, what Thanos said in uh, Avengers Endgame. You couldn't live with your past mistakes, and then what did, you, what, what did it lead to? Back to me. Or something like that. <laughs> so Cody Rhodes, you know, still still in my eyes, it's like, eh, what? okay, he's not really a top guy in my eyes. He, he, he can put good promos, but... His 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 ego really up here, really up here. So Cody Rhodes seems like he's going to be set on trying to challenge Roman Reigns for for the WWE Championship or undisputed WWE Championship um, to so he can finally fulfill his late dad's wishes. But it looks like he's going to have to get past um, Seth Rollins once more. Sportsmanship be damned. So, you know, look for a rematch probably between them at Backlash or whenever, whenever. And then probably after that, it could be Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam by the end of July. Hopefully Roman wins. So then you get the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. And yeah, this was not a great match at all. Um, it's actually a pretty sloppy match thanks to Charlotte. Um, she was botching her moonsault yet again, missing um, missing various spots, um, especially from an exploder suplex. And yeah, there was also the left titty, um, <laughs> the left titty, and um, getting exposed on uh, 
on the premium live event on Peacock. Yeah, and that had to get blocked out. And I was like, wait, what's going on? And then, yeah, that's why. So Ronda, on the other hand, you know, she tried to, you know, make the match a little bit more interesting. She she hit most of her moves pretty clean. Um, and, you know, she she reversed a lot of um, Charlotte's moves pretty uh pretty fast and you know pretty 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 clean um then a screwy finish occurred you know ronda reversed the figure eight um pushed but pushed Char charlotte into the referee charles robinson or um rick flair jr um and eventually ronda did get charlotte into an arm bar or an ankle lock or whatever and charlotte did tap out but where was the referee where was um the other nature and Ronda had to go revive um, Charles Robinson, and that allowed Charlotte to hit the big boot and win the match. So this, yeah, this is not a great match. Pretty sloppy, um, and also pretty boring. But granted, you just had a <laughs> you just had a pr pretty competitive match uh, prior, and fans were probably going to take a piss. And it looks like we're gonna get another matchup between these two probably as soon as Backlash. But yeah, considering the matchup that we did get at WrestleMania. Yeah, are we really looking forward to this match again at Wrestle uh, at WrestleMania Backlash? I don't think so. I don't think so. So then, in the final final segment of WrestleMania Night One, was the KO show between Kevin Owens and his special guest, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, Kevin Owens wanted to have the biggest KO show ever at WrestleMania. In the state of Texas, and of course, you can't have a KO show without calling out the the biggest rattlesnakes in the history of WWE, Stone Cold Steve Austin, pal. And during that segment, you know, Kevin Owens um, mocked the state of Texas before Stone Cold Steve Austin came out, celebrating with the fans, and then riding down with this signature ATV, and then you know had to sit down with KO, you know, talking about. Um, all things Texas, but then Kevin Owens got down to business. He revealed that he tricked Austin into having, you know, it's just a simple chat, a simple interview because he wanted a match. He wanted to face Austin in the ring. And Austin, you know, he had a little bit of doubt. He, he was like, oh, I don't know. He was pretty silent for a good couple of minutes. And Owens saw it. He was clearly, he was publicly calling out his doubts. And Austin he wasn't having none. Of, he eventually had none of it. He he called out a referee. He accepted his challenge, and we had ourselves a no holds barred match. And my God, this was this was pretty cool. This is pretty cool to see. Um, it took a uh, you know a few a few moments for Steve Austin to get his um, bearings back in the ring, but Austin was putting on a can of whoop ass um, on Kevin Owens for a good chunk of this match. And I gotta say, it was it was kind of a little um, a little concerning um to see austin take like some pretty nasty rumps like uh, a suplex onto concrete or him uh fall going hard on the led uh on the led ring post but you know for for the most part steve austin did look pretty good and owens tried to back out of the match um midway through um trying to steal um steve austin's atv but you know what austin was like you know fuck you we're gonna take a ride um you're gonna take a ride with me on this atv to center stage and they brawled up there austin gave him some suplexes to prove that oh my neck is okay i can take these spots even on the hardwood stage and then once kevin owens rolled his big belly um back to the ring austin Got too sidetracked, drinking more beer. Keep in mind, Steve Austin was drinking beer, more, probably the most beers he drank throughout a match than I've ever seen in his WWE career. And it almost bit him in the ass because Kevin Owens hit a stunner, but Steve Austin kicked out. You can't keep him, you can't keep a rattlesnake down that easily, Kevin Owens. You ain't no, you ain't no Steve Austin. So Kevin Owens grabbed a chair. Austin ducked out of the way, and Cameron Owens um, hit himself off the deflection, and Steve Austin hit the Stone Cold Stunner for the victory, and that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool um, to see Austin um, for at least one night um, wrestle one more time, even if it was a no-holds-barred match, but you know, that's Austin's style. That, that brawling, brawling style that 
he loves to do whipping on putting on a can of whoop ass on his opponents and deservedly so on Kevin Owens. And then to end the show, he brought in Byron Saxton yet again to drink some beer. And then once again, Byron Saxton got a stunner. And so, and so that was night one of WrestleMania. I gotta say, for the most part, pretty boring. For the most part, it was pretty boring. Um, and then things picked up with uh, Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes and um, the KO show and that matchup with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it was nice to see Stone Cold, Stone Cold back um, and uh, perform one more time in his home state of Texas. So that, I mean, some people were saying, oh, it kind of devalues, um, kind of devalues um, his final matchup with The Rock at WrestleMania 19. But I mean, at least it wasn't like, Shawn Michaels like um unretirement match um at Crown Jewel. So overall, I I guess like mostly porn show, but a good ending to night one of WrestleMania. So then we had night two of WrestleMania and things kicked off with uh, Triple H um opening the show, just thanking the fans and for their support and throughout the years of his career and you know, he reminded them of their of his retirement from the squared circle, and he left his signature boots in the ring as the fans chanted "Thank you" to him. Um, Triple H, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. <laughs> he was just that damn good as the game, and I hopefully hopefully we get to see him in the Hall of Fame next year um, when they're in Los Angeles. So then we get to the action. Um, the Raw Tag Team Championships were on the line. The uh, Randy Orton, Matt Riddle, RK Bro, going up against the Street Profits and Alpha Academy. Um, I mean, for the most part, it was a eh, it was a decent match, but I gotta say the the, the action very late in the match, pretty crazy. Um, There's some pretty wicked spots um, towards the end. Um, the Street Profits hit a crazy crazy electric chair blockbuster combo with Montez Ford flying as high as he can um, to nail the move on Chad Gable and then in the finish Riddle hit a springboard RKO onto Montez Ford and then Chad Gable just yeeted into the air because I think uh, Matt Riddle was um, flat on his back and Chad Gable tried to fly across the ring only for Randy Orton to hit another mid-air RKO onto Chad Gable for the second time in like a couple weeks so RK Bro retained their tag team titles and um the RK Bro and Street Profits, you know, they shook hands, um, shared some um some red cups, and they brought in uh, the the new signee and the two time NCAA champion Gable uh, Gabe Gable Stevenson, whatever his name is. And then they were about to, you know, toast, but they were interrupted by Chad Gable, who was given a belly to belly suplex. Um, for his troubles. So that was your opening match. Um, the crowd was pretty into it, but I mean, it was whatever. Then we had Bobby Lashley versus almost. I don't know why this was on the card. Um, I guess everyone has to have a WrestleMania moment, right? So almost dominated most of this match. Um, he was pretty slow. He was a pretty slow giant. Um, Lashley turned things around um, with a suplex um, that opened the door for him to win the match with two spears. Pretty short match. Um, yeah, almost didn't look good um, for the most part. Um, he actually hurt Lashley um, when he bear hugged him and rammed him into the turnbuckle and Lashley's head um, reflected uh, back into the LED ring post at the top of it. So, yeah, that wasn't good. So, it also looks like, you know, it seems like that Bobby Lashley is going to be feuding with almost even more because, well, his manager MVP the next night on Raw, he decided to turn on Bobby Lashley and and exchange his services from him to almost kind of a downgrade if you ask me. But at the same time, the hurt business is kind of like you know what what more can you do with it? To be honest with, with you. Then you had, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> one of the craziest matches of the night and probably. Um, one of the top matches of of uh, uh, WrestleMania 38, Johnny Knoxville, yes, Jackass star Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn in an Anything Goes match. Who would have thought that Jackass in 2022 would be would be relevant? Who would have thought? This was clearly a match to promote their movie Jackass Forever, but 
man. Man, man, man. This was crazy as hell. Sami Zayn, of course, dominated the wrestling portion of this match. Um, he, almost, he almost won instantly with the Haluva kick, but then the the insanity ensued um, in, uh, instantly afterwards. Sami Zayn gets sprayed with the fire extinguisher, um, and then he went back to controlling the wrestling portion of it. And then Johnny Knoxville did some crazy shit like playing, um, using two garbage or uh, garbage can lids to um, to play the crash symbols um, to to disorient uh, Sami Zayn, and then some some dude named Party Boy came into ring came into the ring to dance on Sami Zayn like a male stripper like <laughs> Big Dick Johnson did back in the day, um, and then um, a midget named Wee Man came from under the ring and attacked Sami Zayn and even body slammed him <laughs> and oh my god it was, it was crazy it was, and the crowd was loving it it was like pretty cool and then when Sami Zayn went to go end things with I think it was like a like a top rope move Johnny Knoxville somehow set off the, the pyro um, on the turnbuckle and Sami Zayn's butt caught on fire and that set up Sami Zayn in a very unfortunate situation because Johnny Knoxville got out some bowling balls and you all know what happened from there. He Sami Zayn got his nut busted and that also included some mannequin legs. He got kicked in the dick. So Sami Zayn tried running away from Johnny Knoxville, but then he got uh, slapped by a big hand. <laughs> oh, God. This was so wild. Like it's, it, I can't really describe it in words. How, how funny this was. You just have to watch it yourself. Because me just talking about all the crazy spots in this match, it, it just doesn't describe how how funny it really is when you watch it. So, John Knoxville eventually wins this match. He goes and tasers Sami Zayn, and in the most unusual way to win a match, he. Put Sami Zayn, who was just tasered, in a giant ass mousetrap to win the match. He pinned Sami Zayn in the mousetrap to win. Like, my God, that was a wild ending to a clusterfuck of a match. Now, of course, all the the wrestling purist fans are not gonna are, are not gonna like it. But from an entertainment standpoint. This was exactly accomplished what they need to do. Entertain the ever-living fuck out of the true the true thing that pro wrestling fans need to, to do. Entertain. <laughs> really some of the most wildest shit I've ever seen in a wrestling fan. And I was thoroughly laughing my ass off all throughout. So you get kudos to both Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville for putting on such a wacky ass match. And a pretty fun one to that so then you get to the women's tag team championship match i don't know why the, these championships exist still but nonetheless you had the tag team champions queen selena vega and carmella defending their titles against uh, three of their teams in sasha banks and naomi going by the tag team name of boston glow so revisiting their days of team bad uh rhea ripley and uh Liv morgan Oh, I, I guess. And Natalia and Shayna Baszler. So, Sasha Banks and Naomi were the only team that looked like a cohesive unit. Probably considering they've been like the most the uh, the team with the most uh, tag team experience together. But yeah, they won the match using a faceplant codebreaker combo on Carmella to win the women's tag team titles. So, yeah, I guess I guess this is their time to at least try to. Finally, make the women's tag team titles um, relevant, but then again, um, it probably is not going to happen considering that um, one team already broke up in Queen Selena and Carmella the next night on Raw, and uh, Corey Graves and Carmella are about to go fuck and marry um, uh, for the next couple of weeks on their honeymoon, and then Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan are are teasing uh, a breakup in the next couple of weeks as well. So, what teams are honestly left for Sasha Banks and Naomi to defend their titles against? Natalia, Shane, and Baszler? Some other random tag team? Like, there's nobody left. There's literally nobody left. I don't understand why these women's tag team titles still exist. 
There's there's just not enough women. How many times do I have to say this? There's not enough women. There's just not enough women on this roster um, for the Raw Women's title, the SmackDown Women's title, and the Women's Tag Team titles for each of these separate titles to be defended on, especially the Women's Tag Team titles. I think in recent memory, the Women's Tag Team titles is the most redundant and most stupid um tag team titles to be created and this not be being the you know what word it's just it's just honest it's just me being truthful there's there's just not enough women um on the roster even on nxt they have their own titles and there's just not enough women there either so like why does this exist when WWE like clearly knows that there's just not enough women like even in makeshift tag team form to have these titles defended it doesn't like it it boggles my mind it really boggles my mind even after all this time away from watching wrestling it really boggles my mind why they're still trying to push uh having women's tag team titles on tv it really doesn't make sense what what they need to do is merge the women's title into one and then get rid of the uh, the women's tag team titles because there's just not enough women to do it. Then you have one of the marquee matches of the night on night two, Edge versus AJ Styles. Now, everyone was um, getting ready for this matchup, and WWE was marking this as a dream match between these two. Um, and honestly, uh, this match was, uh, it was, oh, it was whatever. Um, I, I, I honestly, for, for two guys, that you know that steal the show especially edge and aj styles i didn't, I didn't see it here I, I really didn't see it here um there were some there were a couple of cool moments you know edge um using john cena's scf you know coming from one of his most hate one of his most biggest rivals um in, in his career him briefly using the stf on aj styles and then aj styles nearly win the match with the styles clash and the key the key finish the key element of this match was Damien Priest um, appearing out of nowhere in all black clothing to distract. He came out, distracted AJ Styles long enough. Um, he delayed AJ Styles from using the phenomenal forearm for long enough. So when AJ hit it, he got speared midair by Edge, and that allowed Edge to win the match. So Edge and Damien Priest are having this new alliance, I guess. This is part of Edge's new dark uh, character that I still am kind of confused on. Like, was it supposed to be? Is he speaking like in, you know, random, like mysterious ways in, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of weird, but you know, it, it seems like if, you know, if there's a little bit more understanding uh, towards it, then it, it could have potential to take over Monday Night Raw um, and make things a little bit more interesting with him, Damian Priest, and maybe a few others. Like, who knows? Maybe you have Rhea Ripley and, uh, I don't know, one other person, you know, form is able to take over each division. Like Edge being in the world title, um, Rhea Ripley in the women's, and then Damian Priest the mid-card, and maybe a tag team. I don't know. So for this match, uh, you know, pretty slow. Um, but then it picked up towards the end. AJ and Edge hitting each other with their best shots. Um, but once again, for pretty much much of this feud, honestly, Edge was getting the best of AJ Styles and he got the best of him yet again. So that really told you a lot of how this feud is going so far. And it looks like we're gonna get a lot more of it um going into backlash and in, in May. So yeah, I mean, it was whatever, but you know, for a dream match, it didn't really live up to its hype um, so far. So then you got another piss break match in the New Day versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland. Um, I don't understand why this match was on WrestleMania. Again, everyone's got to have the WrestleMania moment. So, yeah, New Day, Xavier Woods, and, and uh, Kobe Kingston quickly lost to Sheamus and some guy named Ridge Holland. Um, thanks to, um, yeah, you remember NXT champ, UK champion Pete Dunne? Yeah, his name is Butch now. Um, I don't, I personally don't care um, about Pete Dunne, but yeah, Butch. Um, okay, that's interesting. So, this Butch guy, um, he was like 
going all batshit crazy wanting to fight the new day um but Seamus had to calm tried to like keep running around and stopping him because you know if if butch got his hands on either one of uh, the new day members well the heels would get disqualified so yeah Seamus and rich holland won this match um i don't know i guess WWE was just better off leaving this uh, match off of WrestleMania. Like, I don't know why it was still here. So then you get my personal, my personal, um, uh, hyped match of the night. My, the match I was most looking forward to. And that was Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. I've been like <laughs> invested in uh, Pat McAfee since he, um, you know, has been doing more in WWE with like his matches with Adam Cole in NXT. And then his uh, work, on, and then his commentary on SmackDown, and then, of course, you know his interviews on the Pat McAfee Show with Brock Lesnar and Vince McMahon, and then, then you get this big time, well, kind of like big time match, but it kind of feels big time um, against Austin Theory. I mean, Austin Theory is kind of like a, eh, he's like a, a, a middling uh, mid card jobber, but for for this match, it it kind of felt big, you know. You know, Vince McMahon is trying to mentor this um, upcoming star who doesn't really feel like a star. But, you know, in in, theory, in story, Austin Theory is trying to prove to Mr. McMahon that he can be a guy, even though he's like running around taking selfies, being all um, self-centric. And Pat McAfee is just trying, like, he's trying to live out his, his dream. He's trying to accomplish his goals after, you know, retiring from the NFL after a short uh, short career with the Indianapolis Colts and my god this was <laughs> this was pretty damn cool this was a pretty great match segment yes it was a match segment pretty much um Pat McAfee um yes it was a simple entrance but it had the crowd so amped up coming up coming out to seven nation army um the crowd was going whoa oh 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 all throughout the entrance and of course you had the dallas cowboys cheerleaders i mean it's it's fitting because you know mcafee is a former nfl player and he has the nfl's most popular cheerleaders you know even though it is the dallas cowboys but it's fitting for for him it really is fitting for um a former nfl player in mcafee and he pointed a football uh, towards the fans so you know simple but kind of effective entrance for mcafee um so for this match you know austin theory did pretty good you know some hard hitting moves on uh, pat and pretty, he he pretty much dictated the match um since he was the more um i guess kind of more experienced wrestler than than mcafee was but you know pat had his crazy crazy moments too um he tried hitting a swanton and that looked pretty good but you know he missed and it looked like it really hurt um when he landed flat on his back on the mat and then he went on to to do his backflip spot back at nfc takeover 30 and then austin theory was like oh shit i'm fucked and then mcafee jumped up onto the top rope and superplexed uh austin theory um, just like he did to Adam Cole back in his first match at NXT Takeover for Thirty, that was pretty, that was still pretty cool though. It was still pretty damn cool. And then Theory towards the end of the match tried for his finisher, um, a, a town uh, down whatever it's called, but McAfee reversed it into a fruit roll up to win the match. I thought um, it might be McAfee should have just you know went for the punt, um, should have just reversed it and then go for the punt, but. It was what it was. McAfee gets his first WrestleMania win, and the fans were amped. They were hyped. They were loud for him. McAfee, it's funny. McAfee is like one of the most over guys. He's like one of the most popular guys in WWE. He just he consistently gets the most cheers. Um, he gets the most consistent reactions over the entire like main roster, like literally. So. Things were far from over from there. Vince McMahon, like, after initial teasing, he decides to get in the ring. He decides, Vince McMahon, 76, decides to get his ass in the ring. Pat McAfee goes him into, to compete into a match, and they, and they actually do it. They actually do it. And, yes, McMahon gets some help from Austin Theory, but McMahon beats Pat McAfee 
by punting him with the Dallas Cowboys football into his chest. And well, I personally would have liked it for McMahon and Theory to just beat down on Pat. Things were still not over. No, it was still pretty good, but still things were not over yet because um, McAfee, uh, not McAfee, was you know recovering. Um, Austin Theory and Vince McMahon were celebrating like, "Yeah, pal, we did it. We're standing on top." But then the glass shatters yet again, and here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin to save the day, just like he did back in the Attitude Era, and it's another chapter written in the Austin McMahon rivalry, just like in the good old times. And just like in the good old times, Austin and Vince shared a beer before, yeah, Steve Austin um, gave Vince a pretty bad stutter. <laughs> it, was, it was honestly not not that great, but still, it's still pretty cool to give, uh, to see Austin give Vince another stunner for his, uh, for his wrongdoings. And Austin Theory um, got a stunner as well. Austin gave Austin a stunner. And Theory, of course, sold it like a fish. Pretty, pretty funny. And then Steve Austin invited Pat McAfee to get in the ring to celebrate and drink some beers with him. But you can't do that. You can't trust the rattlesnake, man. He got a stunner as well. And... This is funny too. Like Steve Austin was celebrating, and then the cameras uh, cut to McAfee still drinking beers, <laughs> still drinking beers on the floor, um, even though he was like kind of like stunned out of his mind um, from that stunner. Still drinking beers like a madman. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. So this is my match of the night. Personally, this is my match of the night. One of the wildest shit <laughs> that I could imagine. It was like the most one of the most unexpected things that i saw at wrestlemania aside from you know all the other unexpected moments but what i liked about this um the most from wrestlemania weekend was how the crowd was red hot all throughout for for pat mcafee and how people were just che were not cheering booing for austin theory and theory ate it up he he wanted them to keep booing him both of these men did pretty damn good. Um, and in his first real test for Pat McAfee, passed it. Passed it. Now, yes, Pat McAfee did compete, had, had tests um, with his uh, other two WWE ma uh, matches, but it was in NXT against um, Adam Cole. This was his first real test um, on in a WWE match, in like in a main roster match, against literally your boss right in front of you. So... <laughs> this was big for him, and this was on the biggest stage, in 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 a super in a technically what was a Super Bowl another Super Bowl for him. He competed in Super Bowl forty four against an, as a puncher for the New Orleans Saints, and here he is, like literally several years later, a decade later, in another Super Bowl in WrestleMania, competing against Austin Theory. Pretty damn crazy. Passed it with flying colors. Now again, I would have preferred, you know, Austin saving McAfee from a McMahon and Theory uh, beatdown after McAfee's original match with Austin Theory, rather than us getting an impromptu McMahon McAfee match. But still, pretty fun to see Vince get in the ring and just beat him, beat um, Pat McAfee down like some some asshole. <laughs> so overall, pretty fun uh, segment. This was the match for WrestleMania for me, just because how entertaining this was, how, like, like a good, well, not just a good callback to um, Austin versus Man, but it just made Pat McAfee a like a even bigger star than he is. So then you get to the main event, the big, the biggest WrestleMania match in in WWE history, winner take all, championship unification. To simplify things for you, it was. A, a match to determine the undisputed WWE Champion between the WWE Champion Brock Lesnar and the Universal Champion Roman Reigns. They were going to finally merge those two titles together. Um, whether they were going to um, end the brand split is another question, though. So, a lot of, a lot of it is just, it was the same stuff from Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar's previous matches, um, for the most part. Um, towards the end, um, Roman Reigns ran Brock into the ref, um, and that allowed Roman to pull some dirty tick, uh, tricks um, to try and win the match. And, of course, Brock Lesnar's weakness continues to be getting hit in the dick. 
it's just natural, I guess. So Brock Lesnar um, in in the finish of the match reversed a spear into Kimura Lock um, that Roman Reigns was able to break out of, but it seems like he also got like legitimately hurt because Brock Lesnar, I think he did a little too much, <laughs> uh, a little too much uh, storytelling by actually breaking Roman Reigns' shoulder. Um, but it looked like Roman Reigns was able to pop his shoulder back in and finish the match and get one last spear in to finally win a match against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. This was, these two men fought each other three times at WrestleMania, and this was Roman Reigns' first win, and it's the win that counted the most, as Roman Reigns became the reigning, defending, undisputed, the real undisputed WWE Universal Champion. Now, we have to acknowledge him we can no longer be worthy to not acknowledge him. We must truly acknowledge your head of the table. So, after all that, after all that good stuff that happened on night two, um, I was a little bummed. I was a little bummed that we didn't get to see a little bit more variety, a little bit more intensity in round three of Roman versus Brock at WrestleMania. I was. You know, especially going into the match, seeing all the Twitter highlights of how Brock was gunning for blood um, for this feud and doing all this crazy shit on Roman throughout the throughout the month of March. You know, I really would have thought this would have been like you know a no disqualification match or at least you know Brock making uh, Roman bleed um, like he did at WrestleMania 34 um, or Roman Reigns making Brock Lesnar bleed at WrestleMania 31. Um, but. Um, I guess they just went for the normal standard match again. You know, I thought there would have been some kind of stipulation this time around. Um, but, you know, I did like the ending of uh, Brock, um, I guess, locking in that Kimura lock, but unfortunately also breaking Roman's shoulder, like, legitimately. Um, and Roman Reigns, you know, overcoming um, that um, that sudden injury and notching the most important victory um, of his career. Um, yes, <laughs> him... Him notching the Universal Championship and the WWE Championship at WrestleMania over, I guess, his most hated rival by this point. I don't know. It could be a turning point um, for for his career. He's finally the the top dog in WWE. But now it leads to a lot of questions um, going forward. Who challenges Roman Reigns for the title? Um, and now now that they unified the the world championships um does WWE finally do um what fans what well certain fans have been clamoring for for a pretty long time and the brand split once and for all because you know with the brand with the separate shows the separate brands you know raw has been pretty bad smackdown has started to go on a downtrend um especially because with all the releases and the limited uh, the limited roster and you know you gotta make up for that tv time with the not many like stars and great storylines so you know a lot of questions to be asked and for roman reigns he's running low on legitimate challengers um, to face both on Raw and SmackDown, and no, for all the people out there, Cody Rhodes is not going to be one of them until he proves me and many others otherwise. And you know, we're not. Well, I'm I'm a little tired of seeing uh, Brock versus Roman Reigns. I'm real. I'm it, at this point. I'm I'm over it. I'm really over it. I mean, as much as I like Brock Lesnar, as much as I work, like Roman Reigns, I mean. Their matches are pretty much the same. Um, you already know what's going to happen. Like, um, not from start to finish, but in between. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Roman Reigns. Um, whatever he has uh, in store. As long as he's your reign defending, your, um, your head of the table, undisputed champion, it's cool with me. So, overall, WrestleMania, you know, it had a pretty shitty build. Even worse than WrestleMania 31 and 32, um, I gotta say, it was it was good. It was, I gotta say, I hate to say it for someone that hasn't watched wrestling in over seven months, that had no idea what the fuck was gonna happen at this WrestleMania. Didn't pay attention to the to the to the build. Didn't pay attention to storylines. Um, even if, if I checked in on like Twitter highlights or YouTube clips, I I would instantly forget them. I would honestly instantly instantly forget them. Um, what happened? But for the most part, pretty good. 
I gotta say, I gotta admit, pretty too, pretty good. Um, night one was pretty eh, but um, night two, pretty exciting, like pretty damn exciting. Um, two matches were pretty eh, but night two overall was um the better night. Uh, it had everything for everyone, whether you were a hardcore fan or a filthy casual like me. Um, there was something for everyone to like um on night two. Um, and it uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, but Night two alone could have been the single WrestleMania card. Just add in Kevin Owens versus Steve Austin and then Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. And then take out like, let's see, replace the women's tag team title matches with one of the, the, the raw women's championship matches or you, you, you got yourself a wrestle a four to five hour WrestleMania right there. Like that's a single WrestleMania card right there. And I think that's the biggest problem. This is the biggest problem with WWE and WrestleMania nowadays. Two nights, it's too many. It's honestly it's too many. And I think WWE has seemed to have forgotten that WrestleMania should be what it used to be. And it always, to be honest with you, honestly, it always should have been. One night, one night only, on a Sunday night or a Saturday night, depending on what your preference is. One night only, with the best storylines, the best wrestlers that have worked and earned their way to the show and not some two night event that just hands out participation awards, participation papers, participation trophies for having a spot on WrestleMania or having a WrestleMania moment that doesn't feel justified or earned. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, whether you're listening to me on on the app on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or you're looking at my face on YouTube. If you're finding a way to misconstrue this as me saying that I want the one day seven hour plus WrestleMania back, then that's not I'm going to make this explicitly clear. That's not what I'm saying at all. This is not what I'm saying at all. I want what WrestleMania used to and should have been. A four to five hour showcase with a one hour pre-show at best that starts at four o'clock Pacific time and ends at around eight or nine o'clock. You it should be a showcase for the best of the best that has had the storylines that have been set out for several months prior and has the best wrestlers, um, the best entertainers for that matter, and that's something that's been juggled together at the last minute. That's what WrestleMania should be. And it honestly should have always been. Just imagine if the NFL had four teams, four teams across two days play in the Super Bowl and, well, two teams face off in two games and two of them get Lombardi trophies um, in the end for winning. Woohoo! It, it would feel as devalued as WrestleMania currently is. But sadly, WWE is going to continue to milk this cash cow again next year when they go to Los Angeles in Rams house, AKA SoFi stadium, home of the rain defending undisputed Super Bowl champions for WrestleMania 39. Not, not only is it a problem for, for WWE, it's a problem for fans. Um, when it comes to travel, what events to go to, it's just too much money to spend. It really is a lot of money to spend. And yet WWE's milking it to the nth degree. So, WWE, I don't know what you're doing. I really don't know what you're doing. Um, milking this thing. The WrestleMania should feel important again. It should be one night, four or five hours, with the best of the best, with the best stories, the best wrestlers, have absolutely earned their way to be on WrestleMania. If those wrestlers complain that they're not on WrestleMania, tough shit. Find a way to earn, earn your way next year. So overall, WrestleMania was still pretty good. Um, I had some, there were some favorite moments like Pat McAfee, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I guess to some degree, Cody Rhodes coming back. Like his entrance alone, you know, they, WWE managed to make that bigger than AW did, ever did. Um, the Anything Goes match between Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. And of course, Roman Reigns becoming the undisputed WWE champion, man. Who, who can't deny that? So. I gotta say, you know, WrestleMania 38, um, when it's all said and done, 
at least it was good and actually pretty passable to watch um than any of the other ones after wrestlemania 31 and before this one so wrestlemania gets a recommended a a thumbs up for me so what do you guys think about wrestlemania um did you like it did you not like it what tonight was better for you do you think that wrestlemania should have gone back to um one night and at least four to five hours let's discuss let's start a discussion however you can whether it's on youtube in the comments or on social media let's start a discussion but that is it for this episode and my review of wrestlemania 38 and this episode of very cold lasagna episode number 99 of this freezing cold podcast and i'm your host dylan lasagna thank you for tuning in make sure to listen to the show whether it's on youtube apple podcast spotify anchor fm google podcast as well as follow the show on social media on twitter and instagram at very cold lasagna and as always keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports icy and spicy like that very cold lasagna and episode 100 is coming soon and i'm not sure what to do but stay tuned stay tuned for the next episode the 100th episode of very cold lasagna but until then peace out